Welcome to Adventures with My 40s. I'm Courtney Novak, a 41-year-old woman trying to figure out how to thrive during this decade of life. You can find the show notes at CourtneyHenningNovak.com. And here's the show. Hello, adventurers. This is episode 10, Pandemic Parenting, and I am recording this on Wednesday, September 2nd, in the year of the rapture. Or 2020, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, we're doing well here. I keep telling people, like, right now we're well. Because I know at some point I'll just be, like, in a vile mood again. Or, you know, dealing with anxiety or depression. Or maybe not, but it just seems like this experience has had lots of ups and lots of downs. And you never know how up you're going to get and how down you're going to go and how long it's going to last. It's just, whew, surfing the waves. Um... Yeah, Julian uh, started preschool this week on Monday. It was his first store of first day of pre-K program, and he was so excited. And, and he likes to complain, like, oh, when's the weekend? It's just like his routine. It's like he thinks he's supposed to complain about school, and while, in fact, he loves it. And we also started, we activated our pod for Pippa, and it's Pippa. And two of her friends, who she, one of them she's been in school with, this is her sixth year in the same class with, with him. They, they were in preschool together for three years, and then kindergarten, first grade, and now second grade. And the other one has been in school with them for kindergarten and first grade. And we're meeting at um, a friend's house. They have a lanai, which is like a patio that's covered, but, you know, like the airflow is easy. And... The, I'm a little tired today. I was up at 4.30. I, I woke up during the night to pee at like, I don't know, 1.30. Went back to sleep. Wake up three hours later at 4.30. And when I woke up, I was like exhausted. Like my eyes were like down. And also a little voice in my head went, you're not going back to sleep. And it's just like, fuck, once that happens. I... I take a lot of stuff at night to sleep. I take um, mirtazapine, which is also called Ramron. I can never remember which is the generic. And I'm on the high dose of that, 30 milligrams. And that's something I've taken on and off, mostly on, since I first had postpartum depression seven years ago. And then I take um, something called Sleep Solve, which my uh, naturopath recommended, and I take two of those they're like these two tablets and she says they're great for like helping you calm down and get to sleep and then I take calm which is like this magnesium with powder with some melatonin in it and my doctor says that's great because you need magnesium anyway and I've been sleeping so well that yesterday I was like you know maybe I should only take one solve instead of two why don't we just try it and my intuition's like yes do it and now my intuition is like Okay, let's take two again tonight, because that didn't work the way we were hoping. So, just a little tired and brain dead, aren't we all these days? Um, but yeah, the pod. Oh, it's wonderful. We were all like, okay, this is either going to be a disaster or amazing. And oh, it's amazing. Thank God. The kids have been, th the three of them have been together the past two days, and we're going to do tomorrow. We're going to do, we're thinking Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, because, um, Mondays we only have one hour of school and uh, the friend who is hosting has her old nanny back um, all you know Monday through Thursday but not Fridays and we're like we don't want to overwhelm 
you know, it's just so much easier with someone who's not the mom. I mean, it's hello, it's why we send our kids to school. So the pod is great. Julian's at preschool and getting three hours there. So it all just feels a little more, not normal, but just healthier, like seeing people and having routines and getting out of our house and going to another location and Pippa not having me be the one for all of the distance learning. She's sitting with her two friends and they're, you know, communing or, you know, whatever. Anyway, okay, so that's where we're at. But today, I thought we should talk about pandemic parenting because, holy shit, pandemics and parenting. I mean, parenting is just tough enough. And then you throw in a little pandemic and some distance learning and, you know, face masks and just let's close all the playgrounds. And by the way, you never know if a bathroom is going to be open because so many bathrooms are closed these days. So, you know, you just take all of the regular difficulties and then just shake it all up with all that. And it's like, holy shit. So I wanted to talk a bit about, or, you know, quite a bit about pandemic parenting because this is the adventure that I'm having right now and just so many people across the world are having right now. When I first thought about doing this podcast, I've I've had the idea for it for like over a year and I just, I didn't think I had enough time. And then everyone came home with quarantine and I decided I had less time than ever, but I had to do it. But I always thought this would be more like exclusively about perimenopause and just all of the quote-unquote normal issues a woman in her 40s might have, it did not occur to me that we would be living during history and during like one of those moments that just defines probably several decades afterwards. So, but we are. And I I didn't want to over talk about the pandemic, but I also think it's just like it's what's happening. So let's talk about it. So as I've navigated these past stormy months, I have found myself often wanting a guide for parenting during a pandemic. I mean, I love books. I'm a bookworm. And even though I haven't actually been reading as much the past few weeks, but, you know, just like a book, like how to parent during a pandemic. And maybe that book exists now, like someone rushed, you know, wrote a book as fast as they could and put it up on Amazon. But, you know, I wanted some like trusted authority authoritative guide and of course that doesn't exist because we're living through freaking history here but the more I reflect on parenting during the pandemic the more I've realized that the principles and you know ideas and the mindset that help keep me sane with regular non-pandemic painting ah, okay try that again the the principles that keep me sane with regular non-pandemic parenting, okay, say that three times fast, also apply to parenting in 2020 with the rapture. So I just wrote out a long ass list of various principles and I'm going to start going through them and if I get through it all in one episode, cool, but if I don't, I'll just do part two for next week. Okay, principle number one, and I'm not going to number all these because I didn't write the numbers on my list and I'm going to lose track quickly, but I do know that this is number one. Don't compare your kid to other kids. Kids are people and people are unique. And when, and I have found 
over the years that when I compare my kids to someone else's kids, what I always do is I compare something that I perceive as negative about my children to a child who does not have what I see as a negative trait or a difficulty. Do you know? What I mean? uh, for example, uh, Pippa was not cool with napping in her crib. She napped in her stroller. She napped in her car seat. She napped in the um, ergo baby carrier, like right against my chest. But crib naps did not work. So I, people, you know, were, I eventually got to a point where I was like, this is what works for us. And this is my baby. And, you know, hello, cave people didn't have cribs. It's not exactly natural to throw your kid in a crib to sleep. So I, I eventually came to terms with like, this is just how it's working with my kid. But until I got to that point, I, people, there were a lot of people who had opinions and everyone's opinion who, who cared to vocalize it was she should be sleep napping in her crib. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with her? So when I compared Pippa the way she napped to other kids, to other babies, I never compared her napping to other babies who hated crib naps. I just always ended up comparing her to the moms who claimed their babies always slept in their cribs and slept beautifully and took long three-hour naps and, you know, they had to wake them up at the end. I never compare my kids' tougher traits to another kid's... I always compare their tougher traits to a kid who doesn't have that tough trait. I don't compare them to kids who have the same tough traits and reassure myself like, oh, we're all in the boat together. I don't also go around and say, here's this amazing quality about my kid and let me go compare my kid to all these other kids and see how they measure up. I just, I only do it in the negative way. So when I get catch myself comparing my kids to other kids, whether it's regular life or pandemic life, I need to like, like take a step back. I don't beat myself up. I think it is a very human tendency to dwell on the negative. And it makes sense. Think about cave people. Um, negativity was actually probably a pretty damn good trait to have. You were living in a cave and you, the cave person goes out to the stream that is the water supply and there's been a drought and it hasn't rained. and two cave people go and they notice that the stream's a little sluggish, there's not as much of a water flow as usual, it's looking a little more narrow. And you have cave person A, who's the optimist and sees everything positively, and they go, no, it's gonna be cool, guys. Everything, you know, it's gonna rain eventually, and there's, you know, not a cloud in the sky, and it's not the rainy season, but they're just like, it's chill. And then there's the cave person who's like, this is a big problem. We need to go find more water ASAP. And they go out and they hunt and they, you know, hunt around and they're like, here's a better river that's flowing. We're going to relocate over here. And so cave person A just stays there because it's chill and cave person B goes off to this new cave with their family. Who do you think is going to survive, survive during the drought? It, it, you know, the negativity was actually a good quality to have. And I'm sure, I don't can't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Um, I just I, I'm I've been slowly reading the book Sapiens, and I'm just I'm obsessed with it. Um, I haven't been reading it during the pandemic because my brain can't handle it. But you know we we've been people for a couple hundred thousand years. Our species has existed as Homo sapiens. We only started agriculture ten thousand years ago. So you have like a hundred and ninety thousand years of like people and living in the wild and caves and you know nomads and hunting and gathering 
10,000 years of agriculture and civilization. Our bodies have not caught up. So now, you know, there's an, there's abundance and you can go to the grocery store and get whatever you want, but our bodies are just programmed with the same programming we had as cave people. So it's okay to be negative, but when I catch myself, it's like, okay, I'm not gonna beat myself up, but I am going to like stop, question what I'm doing and try to like substitute a healthier thought pattern. For example, if I'm comparing my kids to another kid, just be like, you know what? We're all different and that's amazing and that makes life more interesting and there are some things that are easy about my kids and there's some things that are tough about my kids. So with the pandemic, it's like, I'm not gonna compare how cooperative my kids are about distance learning. Like Julian hates Zoom preschool. And like, and people, other parents at the school observed like, wow, he is so happy at school and so talkative and engaged. And as soon as you put him on Zoom, he just wilts. And it's like, yes, it, there's something about it. He is just not cool with it at this age. Or, you know, I mean, Pippa's doing better because she's with her pod now, but it, Kids are not like thrilled to just be sitting and staring at a computer screen doing fake school. So it was easy to compare Julian to all these other kids in his preschool class who were sitting and who were engaging with the teacher and who wanted to do all the activities and then to feel bad that my son was clingy and whiny and didn't want to do it. But we're all different and he thrives now he's thriving the past three days when he gets to go back to school and be in person and he's excited to be learning so i can't compare how my kids handled the pandemic to other kids like that path just leads to darkness and despair and along the same line don't compare yourself to other parents we all have different surfer powers different life experiences different ways of coping with tough times different issues that we're working through, different present circumstances, even though the pandemic is, you know, like everyone, affecting everyone in Pasadena. Um, my husband is home and working from home. Other people's families have two people who are working or, you know, and two people who are working out of the house or just everyone has different circumstances, even with under the universal umbrella of the pandemic. So we're all gonna be handling things in different ways. And if there's someone who tells me, that their kid has enough screen time because of distance learning, so they make sure they're not doing screen time when school's out. But my kids like the, you know, watching some mindless YouTube videos. That's okay. Like it's what works for me. And I can tell when my kids have, you know, overdosed on YouTube and I set limits. But like lately, it's like been really hot and all the things we do outside are just not available except for swimming. And you know, you just gotta do what works for you. So don't compare your kids, don't compare yourself to other parents. Okay, modeling works better than lecturing. In writing, they call this show, don't tell. It's so easy to lecture, but it's more effective to model the behavior you want your kids to have. So, you know, let's say my kids leave all their toys out. It's easy to just be like, you know, wah, 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 clean up your toys, wah, wah, wah. That's easy. It's, it takes a little more work, but it's more effective if I clean up my messes. They, like, it, it never ceases to amaze me that when I start to declutter and deal with a mess, I will find them later cleaning up the room without being asked. Or, you know, Pippa will come to me and be like, I went through my drawer and I grew out of these shirts. And I'm like, oh, oh my god, like what has possessed you, but it's amazing. 
especially goes for um, attitude, kindness. If my kids are being like using nasty voices and I use a nasty voice back to them, you know, like Pippa gives us some attitude and I'm like, don't talk to me that way. It, that's the instinct. That's like the easy, like natural response. But I'm just showing her this is an effective form of communication. See, like she's like, mom is an effective communicator. Mom talks to me like a nasty bitch. I'm going to talk right back to her that way. So, and it's hard when she's like being like goes into sassy bratty mode and is giving me all sorts of like negative talk. But like this morning she was, I always make her these banana pancakes for breakfast, which is actually just a banana smashed up mixed with two eggs and then you cook it like banana, like uh, pancakes and it gets some protein in her. So I'm like, fine, but it takes extra time. And this morning she, oh, I, she comes to me for seconds and I take, use the spatula, take off the pancake that I just finished cooking and I put it on her plate and she's like, why'd you put it on that way? You got it on the chocolate chips wrong. And she starts to walk away. And I was like, no, you don't get to talk to me that way. It's not kind. And I'm doing all of this work. I need, I'm not going to be making these pancakes for you if you're going to have a bad attitude about it. And her face immediately went like, like, oh, I, I kind of crossed the line. It, you know, it would have been easier to like grow 10 feet tall and use my like wrath of God voice on her. But then she would have just gone into that mode. So, you know, modeling, not lecturing, it's tough in a pandemic. But if I tell the kids you need to get out of the house and get some fresh air while I'm sitting in the house watching TV, they're like gonna roll their eyes. But if I go outside and start gardening, they inevitably follow me and they're outside and they abandon TV and they're gardening. <sighs> You're not alone. So I talk about don't compare your kid to other kids. And don't compare yourself to other parents. But it's also good to remember you're not alone in this. That most people, if you're distance learning, most people despise distance learning. Um, or even if you're homeschooling, you most people are frustrated by the isolation and the fact that so many places are closed and that we have no end date in sight. And so even as you don't compare yourself, it's good to know, like, you're not alone. Like, you're not just making up the difficulties of this. Like, it's like, you know, go, go see episode nine, pandemic suck. It's, this is really difficult and it's really difficult for most people. I have not talked to anyone yet who's like, oh my God, this is like amazing. This is like the best thing ever. Like, no, people really would like things to go back to like the way they were. And I don't know if we're ever getting back like, I don't know, people talk about, oh, we're, you know, life has changed. I'm like, um, I really would like school to happen again and in the way it happened. So yeah, it's a lot going on. And the principle of you're not alone is something that I was taught when I was an advocate for moms with postpartum depression. I don't want to use the past tense on that. But, and I'm, I'm still very passionate about increasing awareness about postpartum depression, but my inner call has sort of led me in other directions. So I'm, I'm not doing that podcast anymore, just an occasional episode. And um, I don't do, I, I will post on Instagram sometimes about having had postpartum depression. And of course I wrote my memoir, but um, it's not like something I do as much as I used to. But with postpartum depression, just telling moms they're not alone that's a really big deal and 
you know, a mom with postpartum depression would be dealing with anxiety, dealing with isolation, dealing with depression. And that's what a lot of people are dealing with right now. So I really think the idea of just reminding yourself, not alone, like look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not alone or write in your journal. I'm not alone. Like good stuff. Honor your intuition. All right. I talked about intuition in episode eight and I think intuition is just so important to parenting. And I already talked about intuition for a whole episode, so I'm not going to talk about this too much, but I really do think that intuition, following our intuition, honoring our intuition really helps us connect with our children and with what our children need and what, what we need as parents. And there's a lot of people during the pandemic who will tell you like, like um, one of my friends went to the pediatrician for a checkup for her baby and the doctor told her like, yeah, it's really time to limit screen time. And we're all like flabbergasted, like, no, like we're not, like we're, we're, we're in the trenches. Now is the time to be like, how can I increase screen time, not limit it? So it's your intuition and what your kids need and what you need and, you know, honoring that and, um, you know, I do read books about parenting from time to time, and it's nice to get, you know, opinions about, you know, or suggestions and strategies for dealing with different situations. But at the end of the day, I'm the one, me and Nathan know our kids better than anyone, and I've got to trust my intuition. And, you know, it was, Erica one was doing, trying to do Zoom school at Julian's preschool, and I just knew, I'm like, I, I've got to just, I pulled the plug on it. And you apologize to his teacher. It was like, we love you, but we love you in person. He just can't do this. And like, and he just lit up once it was done. And it was like, and it was a huge burden off me and made me feel better. So, you know, that's what we had to do. Along with intuition, follow your kids lead. Kids are less messed up by society than adults are. I mean, we, I've been alive 41 years and I've been exposed to marketing and the patriarchy and just the opinions of thousands of people. And all of these years of just living on planet Earth in you know, the United States in the 21st century has just created all of this interference, this like, like white static noise in between me and my intuition. And it puts voices in your head of like authorities who are judging you and criticizing you, you know, you're, you're too fat or you're not pretty enough or your, um, your opinion doesn't matter. You should, you know, just shut up and be good. Um, kids don't have all that baggage. They, I mean, I know the baggage can start pretty early, but they, they are carrying a lot less than we are. Maybe, I don't know. I only have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. You, maybe parents with adolescents and teenagers have something else to tell me. Um, in which case I don't want to know until the pandemic's over. But my seven-year-old just knows what she needs and I have to follow her lead. Like she loves doing art and sometimes it's just making space for her to have art and just let her, let her shine. And, um, so, you know, I've been reading the Harry Potter books to her and right now she's like super into book two and like, We've only been had the time to read like a half hour before bedtime and she would love to be, she would basically love to read until I could not speak another word. 
But, you know, when we were reading book one, she was just in a phase where she would go two or three days before wanting to read another chapter, and I just followed her lead. And now here we are where she's just voraciously soaking it all up. So you follow your kid's lead, but also honor your boundaries. Like, I don't want to sit with Julian in my lap when he's at a really weird angle and I'm sitting in the middle of the couch and I don't have, like, sufficient support. I'm like, no, I will snuggle with you, but we're going to sit on this chair or we're going to lie down on the bed together. And, you know, I'm not going to get throw out my shoulder just so we can get a snuggle that suits your purposes. Like, we'll get you the snuggle, but in a way that doesn't destroy my body. And same with, like, make-believe. I mean, my kids would love it if I played make-believe with them all day during the pandemic. And especially at the beginning of the pandemic, like, my mom guilt was sort of out of control. And... I would feel like I have to like, well, they're supposed to be at school for this many hours a day, so I have to step in and just be engaging with them all that time. But I hate make-believe. Um, I don't want to play Barbies. I really don't want to go to their pretend restaurant and like gush over their pretend coffee and ask for second servings. I just like, make-believe makes my soul sad. I've, I've grown out of it. Um, I remember that moment in sixth grade where I had certain old toys out and I was trying to play with them like I used to, and I was just like, eh, this is just not working anymore. And I told my mom, I don't need these. And she gave them to my sister. And then I was into music and writing and, you know, a lot of my interests that I still have today. So I don't, you don't need to just completely dissolve as a parent, like dissolve as an individual who has no boundaries just because you've decided to be a parent. If you want, boundaries are healthy. And especially during this pandemic, I need boundaries um, as to like how the kids talk to me or as to, I just, I need some time to do this podcast and boundaries are great. Um, all right. You will make mistakes. Okay. Just let that soak in for a minute. You're going to make mistakes, whether it's pre-pandemic or post-pandemic or just in the thick of the pandemic, you're going to make parenting mistakes. You're going to say something that you wish you could take back. You're going to make a decision that you regret. And that's okay. I even will just say to the kids, like, well, I made a mistake. Like, if I say we're going to go to this park tomorrow, and then tomorrow comes, I'm just not in the mood. I'll be like, you know, I made a mistake saying we were going to go to the park, but it just doesn't work today. Um, and something else is that I think about is my kids are entitled to my mistakes. If I'm perfect, holy shit, that is setting an impossibly high standard for them. They need to see that I'm imperfect so that they know imperfect is great. Imperfect is human. Imperfect is interesting. Just you're going to make mistakes and you learn from mistakes. I love um, the Duolingo app. I'm slowly learning French. Uh, I'm not even going to try to say something because I'll just embarrass myself. But I make mistakes on it all the time. And when I make a mistake, I learn more. And I remember like the word or the grammar that I made a mistake with. I learn it better. Like I can feel my brain laying down neural pathways more than when I don't make a mistake. And just mistakes are part of the learning process and like letting yourself make mistakes 
then your kid's allowed to make mistakes and your kid's allowed to forgive themselves and they're allowed to go and try a new sport or a new you know hobby or try to learn a musical instrument and i mean if you're going to learn to play the piano my god you are going to hit a lot of wrong notes unless you're mozart um yeah so mistakes are fine um there's another concept I, I there's this book i like and i'm on the fence of it. it's called the obstacle is the way i think it's by ryan holiday and um i really do like the idea that the obstacle is the way that if when when obstacles come out challenges for example pandemics it may have seemed like this is the path of my life and then the pandemic comes and it's sort of like you know a, not even like a tree falling across the path it's like the, the, the thorny bushes outside um, the castle in uh, Sleeping Beauty that Maleficent puts up, you know, it's just like massive and crazy and out of control and it can feel so unfair and like um, crazy and like this is so like this shouldn't be happening. But, you know, the obstacle is the way like we're going to find a way around this or we're going to find a way through this. We're going to go get like a bulldozer and create like a tunnel through this. Um, it's just like this is now what it is. And the obstacle is going to be the way through this part of our lives. Like I had postpartum depression. I didn't, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. It was certainly an obstacle to that first year of parenting, but it was the way. It was the way that I dealt with my anxiety. It was a way that I sort of started, not just sort of, it's the way that I started my work on making myself a better and happier person. It was the way that I, you know, just, realize like I have to deal with all like the shit I've been carrying around or I'm going to go, you know, I'm not going to enjoy this parenting gig. So the obstacle is the way I do. I think I, I, sh I will do an episode on this eventually because it's um, the obstacles, the way it's very like stoic stoicism, but you know, the stoics, I think, God, I can't remember. I mean, there it's like, I think from a couple of thousand years ago, maybe more. Oh, I'm embarrassing myself. It's okay. I'm not embarrassing myself. I'm just being human. But the Stoics were a bunch of men. And as a woman, I sometimes wonder, like, is the obstacle the way, like, is that too much of a woman? For a woman, is that a valid philosophy? Or is that the sort of philosophy that forces the woman to, to take a lot of bullshit from the patriarchy? But this is not an episode about feminism or the patriarchy, and I'm only like literally on page two of this book I'm reading about feminism, so I'm not going to go into that now. But just a little footnote there. All right, shuffling my pages. I'm at the half hour mark, so I think I'll do a couple more of these, and then yeah, save the rest for part two. All right, don't take things personally. That is from the Four Agreements. Um, oh, is it Don Miguel? Don Miguel Ruiz. Oh, when you take things personally, it, nothing's personal. When someone puts a bullet in your head, that's about the person. It feels personal because it's your head, but they're not putting the bullet in your head because of anything you did wrong or right or said. It's because they have their own issues and they're doing it because of their own reasons. So when your kid's having big feelings, whether it's just about life or just about the pandemic, that's it's not personal it's not because you have somehow failed it's because they're human and they're allowed to have feelings and i i do catch myself 
at random times just taking something very personally and as soon as I say to myself like this is not about me I just I feel my tension going down like um, just now earlier this afternoon Pippa was doing her math homework with Nathan and Nathan's really good at not taking things personally like that's why he's a really good match for me like we have we, we bring a lot of different strengths to the table so he and he doesn't read any of these the self-help books that I'm like really into but he, it's like he just knows a lot of this stuff like naturally I mean maybe that's just being a man I don't know uh, again this is not a feminist episode except it is kind of a feminist podcast series so okay um but Nathan is really good at not taking things personally so he's doing Pippa's math homework and she's just frustrated and she's talking back to him in a really you know sassy whiny voice and complaining and you know bemoaning the fact that like um she, you know that the math sucks and Nathan's just like you know like if I'd been there I probably would have taken it personally I would have been like don't you talk to me that way and you have better have a good attitude and be grateful that I'm like taking the time to do this with you but Nathan's just like, yeah, I didn't learn math this way either when I was in second grade, and it's a little confusing, but we got to try our best. And he's just, and, you know, I came in at one point and was like, Pippa, if you continue this bad attitude, you're going to have to take a time out. And then I was like, wait, I'm like hijacking Nathan's parenting. He's doing the math with her. And I went to another room and started stretching, and she kept doing the attitude, but it wasn't bugging Nathan. He wasn't taking it personally. So they just, they got through it and did eight pages of math, and God bless them. Um, okay. Abundance over scarcity. That's another entire episode I could do. But the more I teach myself that there's an abundance of good things, there's an abundance of love, there's an abundance of joy, there's an abundance of success, instead of the scarcity um, myth of, like, there's not enough love to go around, there's not enough... Um, you know, success to go around. If this person's successful, that means I will be a failure. Um, I'm still working on that. It's sort of like a, a deprogramming. And, but I think if you apply that principle of abundance, not scarcity to kids, it's, it's sort of the realization that someone else's kids can be really great students or athletes or really good at art. And so is your kid. Like your kid doesn't have to be the quote unquote best. They can all be succeeding together and as we rise together it you know it lifts us all up you know like a rising what is it saying like a rising tide lifts all boats so it doesn't need to be like I get all the attention from the teacher I get all the praise from the teacher it's like it's great if all the kids are thriving so abundance not scarcity um again that should be like a whole episode all right shame needs secrecy that's some Brene Brown stuff there for you. Um, if something you, if something during this pandemic experience is making you feel shame, share that shit. You don't have to share it like on a podcast. You could just tell the person who you know will relate. Um, you know, if you've got a judgmental mother-in-law and you want, who's like, always has an immaculate house maybe don't tell her that like gosh the house has gotten so messy because we're home all the time but if you have a friend who's you know just like who's got just as much chaos as you or even more tell them I you know are you yelling more are you allowing all the screen time share that shit because 
when you keep something a secret, that's how it, how shame gets to like, to like breathe. Like shame loves the darkness. Is that, I think that's like, do mushrooms like darkness or do they just like dampness? I don't know. Shame just likes secrecy. So if something about the pandemic experience is making you feel shame, please go and share it. Something about pa parenting, if like definitely the screen time. Or I know people are yelling more and more. Um, I heard um, we have a, a next door neighbors with kids a little older than ours. And the mom is, they're both like super mellow and chill people. And I've never heard them yelling at their kids. And I heard the mom yelling, like out of control yelling yesterday. And I kind of got a smug sense of satisfaction. Um, like, yes, even she's yelling. Um, I haven't even been yelling that much, but everyone is yelling. Everyone's losing their patience. Everyone's like, just knock that shit off. So, you know, go ahead, share. Don't allow the shame. Okay, you know what? My voice is really tired, and also I'm tired because 4.30 in the a.m. is just bullshit. So I'm going to end this here, and let me just take my pen and make a little note where I ended. And um, I'll do the next episode, part two, either next week or if I get around to it, I'll do it sooner. Except it's supposed to be 108 degrees in Pasadena this weekend. So I, and this, the room I do podcast recording in can get kind of warm during the day. So I have a feeling I'm going to just be laying in the master bedroom or the kids' bedroom because those rooms stay the coolest. And we'll probably go to my parents' house for one day because they're, they live near the ocean. It's cooler. So if I, I probably won't get to this sooner, but I really like talking about this. I think this is really important stuff because um, yeah, we're all parenting during this pandemic and I do have a lot more ideas and I love sharing it, but it's also sharing it really reinforces it for me. This is, this just doesn't all come naturally. I'm not going out, like I've gone through a bunch of these principles and I don't want you to think that I've mastered all this. I am a work in progress. So you know, I, I talk about all these principles and just writing about it, talking about it, it helps me internalize that and sort of change the way I approach parenting. And I'm, I feel like I do keep getting better over, if I look back from how I was parenting at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm doing a better job now. But I'm definitely, like I said, making all the mistakes. And I'm I mean, the amount of screen time is just, I never thought this much screen time was possible. And just sort of, um, you know, spending whole days in bed to read a book and to parent as little as possible because I'm parented out. I'm not like, like, trust me, I'm, I've learned a lot during this pandemic, but I'm really ready for like someone to get on the news and be like, just kidding, it's over, it was just a big joke, you can all go back to school now. I would love that. So I'm growing, I know we'll look back at this experience someday and like, man, everyone's gonna have some good more stories to tell, but it's, man, it is just not easy. So these principles help me and to make parenting um, regular times and during the pandemic easier, but yeah, I've definitely not mastered them. Doing the podcast is just like another inch towards mastery. And I don't expect I'll ever master life or parenting or any of these things. It's just something that you got to keep working at and be like, maybe I can be a little better next year and, you know, a little better. Just keep going, making that progress. I'm not a saint here. 
not at all. And um, my kids are outside in the pool with Nathan, but if they were in the house, I could um, get them over here and be like, hey, Pippa, is mommy perfect? And she would like, you would like literally hear her eyes rolling in her head <laughs> with that seven-year-old attitude. Okay, that's it for this episode. And we'll be back with episode 11, part two of Pandemic Parenting. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Adventures with My 40s. You can reach me through my website, CourtneyHenningNovak.com, or on Instagram at Courtney.Novak. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. Have a great and wonderful week. Thank you.